1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we're talking after the Bulls dropped a second straight game, this one to the hated Miami Heat, 112.99. In a game, the Bulls got pretty much smoked in from the opening tip, the Heat taking control of the game. In the first quarter, opening up, I think, a nine-point lead by the end of the first quarter. Uh, The Bulls played pretty well in the second. The Heat sort of uh, stepped on the gas in the third. Bulls, too big of a deficit to come back from in the fourth. It was one of the worst games of the year for DeMar DeRozan. Scored only 18 points, Jason. We haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, Numerous issues for the Bulls in this game against a Heat team without Kyle Lowry. And of course, the big talking point after the game, Jace, is the Bulls' record against the top teams in the league. The tweet from Cody Westerland is the Bulls are now 2-12 and against teams with a winning percentage over 600. So before we get into the Bulls' troubles against the best of the NBA, let's talk about this game in particular. Jace, what were your takeaways from watching this game on Monday night and Uh, you know, do you feel worse about the Bulls chances moving forward after seeing how they matched up against the Kyle Lowry list Miami Heat in this
2: one? Yeah, I mean, it was real bad. Like you said, right from the start. They were down, they were only down nine at the end of the first quarter, and that was a miracle because they were down like 14 with like halfway through the first quarter. It looked like they were about to get be down 20 plus going into the second, but they were able to settle it down a bit. Got it. They had a nice run in the second quarter after going down 19, but then the third blown out in the third quarter. So they had like the one run in the second quarter, and that was it. The rest of the game, the Heat completely controlled the game. And just again, from the very opening tip, execution game plan. Uh, they were doubling hard. They were doubling hard on Vooch. Uh, and the Bulls just were not able to really just like do anything with it. You mentioned DeMar had a bad game. Zach did not look good, like his numbers finished. Uh, like okay, because he had some garbage time three pointers, uh but they're just they 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 looked they looked rattled by the Heat's just activeness, their physicality, their uh just the double teams. Jimmy Butler didn't can't Jimmy cannot shoot like at all anymore. But he completely controlled that game despite not shooting well. Yeah. I think he only had like 15 points and like four 13 shooting something like that. But he had like he had four, four steals, steals in the first, in the first quarter. Yeah, in the first quarter, and he was just all over the place with his double teams wreaking havoc. Again, the Bulls were trying to force Davuce and just really was not working. The ball wasn't moving enough. They had a few times where they were able to get it exploit the mismatches with Vooch. but too too often, two tons of turnovers. There were eight turnovers in the first quarter. They did clean it up a little bit the rest of the way, but that just kind of set the tone uh, for the entire night. Just they have had no answers for the Heat, and they have no had no answers for the Heat all season. They're now zero and three against Miami, uh, and that plays into the bigger pick, uh, point about them struggling against these elite teams. But zero and three against the Heat. Uh, all three games, they have struggled offensively. The second game was with that game where they had like Zach, Vooch, and nobody else. But they still had Zach and Vooch. And they Zach had a nice game in that second game. But they still only scored like 90-some points. But the first matchup, they lost. They only scored 104 points. I don't have the exact like offensive efficiency in front of me. But it's been a grind against the Miami. We know that's what they can do. The Heat, they are, again, and that's without Kyle Lowry. They get out. They attack you. They get all over you. They have Jimmy. They have P.J. Tucker. Bam in the middle. Uh, as the defensive anchor, uh, and even the other guys. I mean, we saw Gabe Benson kill them again. Max Struess kind of put the final nails in the coffin. Caleb Martin murdered Vooch with a poster dunk. Uh, so they're, just, they're a deep, well-coached, well, they execute well, they and all that. And like the Heat do have their own flaws, like their half-court offense. Sometimes you can see isn't that great. I, I forgot, Tyler Hero has had a huge game, and uh, Duncan Robinson – got free for some threes. We saw IO really struggling, trailing him on the screen. So just like, just from the start the entire thing that he clearly they were ready to play. The bulls just had like no answers for them on either end of the court, really. Uh, and it's just, and it's a matchup where based on what we've seen in the regular season, while that doesn't always matter, I don't really see how it would like change that much of the playoffs. So, I mean, maybe you just hope the bulls shoot better. They shot terribly from three, but uh, some of that is because they're not getting a ton of great looks a bit rattled. I mentioned, I think they were rattled early on and like that, that'll lead you to miss open threes when you do get them. So the heat really tough matchup really well coached. Like I said the preparation, the execution is there. Uh Yeah. And, it, and I know again, the talking point, no Lonzo, no Crusoe, no Pat Williams, Zach is hurting. And we'll talk about Zach's injury a bit in a bit. Billy Donovan didn't want to hear it afterwards. And like, I, I get it. Like he's, he doesn't want to make these excuses You're If you want to be a really good team, you're going to figure out a way to win some of these games and even if, like, whatever, going to Miami to win is tough, but, like, not competing, like, at all, basically the entire, the entire game, that's that's the discouraging part is just not competing. And the Bulls have had a few too many of those games against these good teams where you get your ass beat. I mean, even the Grizzlies game, they were getting their ass beat almost from the start until they made the big run in the fourth quarter. And they, while they did have a chance to win uh, – they were down big almost all that game, and I mean that's a game maybe where you say like Lonzo and Crusoe were really missed because John Moran had 46 points uh, and it's just detonating all over you. But still, I mean a couple games here against these elite teams where the Bulls were not competitive for large portions, and that's been kind of a trend in, in some of these games. And it's definitely uh, uh, kind of is what it is maybe with what this roster is right now. And I think we they've been they've won so many games and they, their record is so good where I think the expectations are higher. But I think we do also have to realize that they have blown away these expectations. Maybe they aren't quite as good as these other teams. So uh, just kind of a slap uh, in the reality, reality check for some in some of these last couple of games.
1: I really thought coming into this game before I watched it, I was busy Monday night. I just uh, rewatched the game. And coming into it, I thought, well, you know, I looked at the box, and I'm like, well, Gabe Vincent torched the Bulls again. He's had 20 points in two of their three matchups. (laughs) The Bulls shot poorly from the field. So I would like to think, there's part of me that would like to think, well, if the Bulls can, you know, like – keep down some of the role players like some of these role players just torch the bulls throughout the year Furkan Korkmaz is probably the premium <laughs> example of this guy seems to have the game of his life every I mean time him and Vincent
2: Vincent was been has been great in all three games as you mentioned yeah. 20 point games like he's a nine point per game score but he's 220 point games out of probably a couple this season and the, even the third game I think he had like a pretty nice overall stat line
1: so thing that jumped out to me, while the Heat's offense, I, the Heat's half-court offense, I totally agree. Like, that's their big question mark heading into the playoffs. They also just – are going to do whatever it takes to win, right? And, like, coming into this season, I identified the Heat as a team that I thought was going to be scarier in the playoffs than the regular season because it didn't seem like the Heat had a lot of depth, right? Well, the Heat have been as basically as banged up as the Bulls have yep. been, close to it for much of this year, and they have used that opportunity to find other guys who can contribute. Max forward former DePaul legend, has had in Stagg High School legend, too, I should <laughs> note. Uh, he's had... Kind of a breakout year for the Heat. He had another really nice game against the Bulls, thirteen points in twenty-three minutes. Gabe Vincent is another guy who's given him good minutes. Omar Yurt seven, the pride of NC State and then Georgetown. I wrote about him a lot when he was a former five-star recruit yeah. back in the day. He's been found money for them. He barely played against the Bulls, but he's been pretty good for them in general. Uh, Martin's been good as well. I never know which Martin brother it is. Caleb Martin. I think it's Caleb,
2: uh, Caleb Martin, yeah, yeah, not
1: Cody. He's been good too. So the Heat have just basically unearthed some contributors as they've missed guys during the regular season. Watching their half-court offense, Jace, a couple things jumped out to me. One, I had never seen Io have such a tough time getting over screens. Yeah. I started running it back, and I'm like, you know, these are typically the plays where Io is really good getting over screens. The Heat are just setting a legal screen (laughs) constantly throughout this game. And they, I mean, you should do that if you're not gonna get called for it, right? And that's one thing that worries me in the playoffs is that Miami's gonna bend every freaking rule possible with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and PJ Tucker. Those guys Drifters. are as grimy as it yeah. gets, and I use that in a complimentary sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look their best player, Butler, as you noted. The shooting has completely fallen off for them. They basically want to grind games down to get them at their level of pace and at their level of comfort. And uh when they can sort of bend the rules and take advantage of them, that's when they're going to be at their best. So uh I did notice some some screens that I thought were questionable, but you know, more more power. It's like yeah, it's game. like the
2: Joe Kim Noah ass screens. Joe Joe was amazing at setting those. At using his ass to set screens and free guys up for shots. And bam, I mean, bam is obviously a big body. Who's very good at freeing Duncan Robinson for threes and, and, and those guys,
1: other things. So I have a screenshot here from uh, the first quarter, about three minutes left in the first quarter, the heat have a legit triple team on DeRozan. Yeah. And this is something else we talked about, like uh, during the, after the Atlanta game, I think when we did the episode on green room of like, What is this going to start to look like offensively when teams just start throwing hard doubles and even triples at DeMar? And in this screenshot, like he has Troy Brown open in the corner. He's trying to get the ball to him, but he can't before Jimmy Butler takes it away. So Butler was everywhere in that game. I mean, he looked like he knew exactly what the bulls were going to do before they did it. And Miami is just so good at adjusting on the fly. Spo continues to be, An absolutely incredible coach. And you could tell they get up for a game like this because I think coming into the night, the Heat were first in the conference and the Bulls were second. So, like, this game did have very tangible consequences in terms of the seeding. And the Heat were totally prepared. I want to talk about Vooch a little bit because Jason, you wrote an article a while ago on Vooch as the barometer for this team's success. And I think in the last two games, both of them Bulls losses, we've seen that sort of come to be true against the Grizzlies. You know, we shouldn't mince our words here. Vooch got his ass kicked by Stephen Adams. Adams. Stephen Adams had him in a damn body bag the entire second half of that game, particularly in the third quarter, I should say. Uh, but Adams finished the night with eight rebounds against Vooch. Vooch goes 5-17 from the floor for 11 points, 0-5 from 3, did have 12 rebounds. Vooch got bodied in that game uh Tristan Thompson probably should have been in the closing lineup for Billy Donovan now I understand it from Donovan's perspective Tristan Thompson just got here you've been rolling with Vooch all year he's been your guy but the Bulls did get back into that game with Tristan on the floor Jason you look like you have
2: something yeah I, I yeah I that was that definitely was a huge I didn't see a lot of that game I saw like the very end uh but I know from the box score, the Bulls got just absolutely punked on the glass. I think Adams ended up with, what, 21 total rebounds and, what, eight or nine, like you said, offensive boards. I think they had 60 for the game. And that's like the Grizzlies. That's their game. I think they're awesome at offensive rebound, fast break points, points off turnover, stuff like that. One of the reasons why they're so good. Uh, and, yeah, I feel like closing with Tristan over Vooch, maybe not. I, I do wonder in a match like that if do you try Tristan at the four, I know that probably hurts your offense. You can't like, because DeRozan can't get into his mid range game. Yeah, that's, tr- that's probably true. And like, I mean, just like, I obviously don't want to do a lot. I was just considering like that specific matchup. Cause I know like part in the fourth quarter, the the Grizzlies got multiple, several of uh, second chance opportunities uh, when the bulls are trying to make that comeback. And you like, maybe you try a too big lineup uh, because like, if you have is Jav- out there, like teams leave him in the fourth quarter or whoever else you have out there. Maybe, maybe consider that. I I also understand you go with Vooch. You're, you're riding with him. He's the guy who you're going to be playing big minutes in the playoffs. He's got to step up in those situations. And if he doesn't, uh, that's on him. <laughs> like, so I, I I'm not going to kill Billy for not keeping Thompson in. like who, like Thompson easily could have worn down. Like he, he's not a guy who's playing big minutes in his career anymore. So, I get it. I know. I understand people wanting to, wanting to go with the hot hand, maybe show a little flexibility with your rotations. And, uh, but Vooch is, is your guy. And I feel like riding with him. I totally get that as well.
1: Yeah. And like in this game in particular, in the heat game, the bulls came out with a pretty clear strategy to establish Vooch inside the heat switch. Everything Vooch was trying to roll to the basket, get a deep seal. Yeah. Put it in. Now, I love that strategy. It did work on like maybe the second or third couple times game. But then Miami started fronting him in the post. They started swarming him with multiple yeah. defenders whenever he got it. And as the Bulls continued to try to pound the ball inside to Vooch, Butler was just wrecking <laughs> havoc on the Bulls. I mean, he was cheating so far off his man. Uh, But just, like, playing basically perfect help defense. Jason, I saw you get into it with Will (laughs) Purdue after the game. Jason was critical of Will Purdue's analysis following this game. Purdue went on television saying that, you know, the Bulls had to continue pounding the ball into Vooch. Jason, you took exception with that. I thought you guys had a nice little back and forth. Uh, Yeah, yeah, basically
2: just, like, it was, like, the first, it was him, Goff, and Kendall Gil, obviously, like, their opening statements after the game. And Will's, like, for opening statement was just, like, I really think, like, they just needed to, like, establish to more, get it down to him. I'm like, I mean, and I, and I tweeted that, uh, and he saw it, and he follows me. He's, I, he, Will Purdue's <laughs> Bulls legend uh, NBA champion Will Purdue uh, t- quote tweeted me, and was like, oh, I hope you kept watching to see, like, to... Because he, later on, he did show, like, what he was t- talking about, the deep seal stuff, which the description of it later on was a bit better. Like, I understand... The philosophy of trying to get him on those seals on those switches and it did work a few times the problem is the bulls were trying to force it into vooch but it wasn't working half the time it was a turnover like it might work a few times but the heat made those adjustments and the bulls kept trying to force it into him. some of it was the bulls making lazy passes uh when you're if you're gonna throw like lot poor lob passes against this heat defense i mean you're you're fucked they're gonna steal it from you and That's how Jimmy Butler gets four steals in a quarter. If you're just the Bulls aren't that good at throwing post entry passes a lot, a lot of times. So, like, the Bulls tried to establish Vooch and it resulted in eight first quarter turnovers and a huge deficit. So, like, uh, I I know like Purdue and like Stacey does it too. Like, oh, it's an easy game. Talk about pounding it into Vooch and scoring. Like, it's easy to say that. But against these kind of defenses, when they're swarming and they're doubling, it's hard to just throw, slow the ball down, and work the ball into the post. Like that just doesn't really work like that. You do have to move the ball and you do try to take advantage of those steals when you can. But uh, sometimes it works, but a lot of time it just the Bulls' offense is just a total mess. And uh, they just have to figure out a way to execute better. Because if they do face Miami in the playoffs, I mean, they're going to do a lot of the same stuff. They're gonna throw different looks. They they like going zone. They and they showed some zone in this game. They just, just throughout games Spo just changes up stuff when he sees fit, and it often works. It's why they're so good. Uh, so yeah, the easy uh, the easy answer of like whatever, throw just pound it just pounded into vooch and establish him down low. It sounds great. Sometimes it works against certain matchups, but a lot of the, some of these other matchups, it does not. It did not work against the Grizzlies. He was bad. It did not work against the Heat. Uh, they were forcing all the turnovers. So.
1: Yeah. Are we getting into like Grossman territory with Vucer where we have like good Nick, bad Nick? Because when he's good and he was very good during the Bulls six game winning streak, I mean, look fe- at some of the numbers. February I mean-
2: in general, he had a really nice February besides the three point shooting. His three point shooting has fallen entirely off a cliff. He's like two for his last 27 from three. But even besides that, he averaged like 20 to 23 a game uh, in February on like 50% shooting because he's, in general, has been doing much better in the paint. The three-point shooting abandoning him is problematic because one of the things that makes him and the Bulls offense so unique or dangerous and unique is his ability to at least shoot threes and be a credible threat from out there. He hasn't even been close, I feel like, on most of these threes. So like, if he keeps shooting this poorly and teams stop guarding him out there and kind of just back off, that is pro- That's tr- trouble for DeMar's mid-range stuff for guys uh, driving into the paint. So it'd really be nice to see Vooch get back to being in the mid-30s. He doesn't have to shoot 40% like he did last year. It's more looking more and more like that might have been an empty gym type thing, like the Julius Randall thing. But I mean, please do better than 20% like he has been this last month.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. you need indeed.
1: All right. So now to like the idea that the Bulls can't beat the best teams in the league two and 12. Uh, How valid do you think that criticism is Jace, given that the Bulls have been so banged up, given that so many of these games have come after Grayson Allen delivered (laughs) a cheap shot to knock out our boy, Alex Caruso. Lonzo is still recovering from the Tormeniscus. So let's let's open up the discussion. How valid is this criticism that the Bulls can't compete against the top teams?
2: It's valid to a degree. I mean, but I mean, the Bulls are so uniquely reliant on Crusoe and Lonzo being out there that they're just not that good without them. Like, they're fine. They're still a decent team. You have three really good offensive players in general with Vooch, Damar, and Zach. I will say that I think, and again, we're going to talk about Zach's injury in a minute. Zach not being at 100 is also really hurting here. Like if he's not special, that takes them down another level again. Uh, but I mean, again, they're just so reliant. They built this team in knowing that their best three best players, Demar, Zach, Fuchs, are not good defensive players. Average at best, awful at worst. And we've I mean, we've seen times where Demar is terrible defensively. Still, I'll cut him slack if he's been ridiculous offensively. Zach. At times, also still falls asleep defensively. Vooch, we know he's limited, even though I think he's done as good as he really as possibly have can been. But they built this team; they signed Lonzo and Caruso specifically to make up for those faults. Those two guys being out, and even Pat to a lesser degree. I, I, I'm not expecting much from Pat. He wasn't that good to start the year, but even him, like you're missing a huge body, six eight, six nine guy to play defense. Those three guys being out just completely nukes their ability to play defense and be like a really cool. good team. So like. They're just not that good of a team without those guys. So, like, I th- I do think the nature of some of these losses is what is troubling the Warriors' forty point loss, the Nets game where they got blown out, this Heat game. I'm just getting basically whooped from the start, just like and looking just like outclassed. And even the Grizzlies game again, they were de- they they were outclassed for basically the first three quarters of that game. Uh, and that's happened in some of these other games. I think that part is definitely concerning, and that's not something we're like you're getting your ass beat all game and Lonzo and Cruz are going to fix that. Especially in the playoffs too. Like these, t- these really good teams are going to be- lock down. They're going to have your scouting reports. They're going to take away some things the bulls like to do. And, and DeMar is not going to shoot 60%. Like the bulls have won some of these games of late because DeMar Durosen was on a historic heater. I'm not going to say DeMar is going to fold in the playoffs, but he's not going to average 40 a game on 60% shooting. So the bulls are going to have to figure out ways to score more efficiently as well. Booch will have to be better. Zach is going to have to f- find a way to hopefully be better if they want to make any noise in the playoffs. So I think it is valid to a degree, but it is a reasonable excuse that the, the that those two guys who are just so uniquely important in this team are out. And I know Billy, Billy, I think is saying the right things by saying there are no excuses. you got to, if you're really good, you got to figure out ways to win games. Uh, DeMar was very defiant when asked about it as well, but Uh, I mean, it's hard not to worry about it when you when you get your ass beat uh, by a lot of these good teams.
1: And I think from like fans perspective, it's easy to be reactive to what you just saw. So like when the Bulls are on a long winning streak, it's like, oh, the Bulls are a championship contender. And then when the Bulls get beat two games in a row, it's like, well, the Bulls can't beat the good teams. What are we going to do? I don't want to sound like a homeowner, but I do believe that there is a scenario where the Bulls can still go on a charmed run through the Eastern conference playoffs. Uh, it's hard to say that now because the last two games have been really frustrating. Granted in that Grizzlies game, Vooch got his ass kicked. Morant played the game of his life until the next few game. days later when he <laughs> yeah. played an even better game, but he had 46 points franchise high in that game against the bulls. And they still almost won that game in the fourth quarter. You know, it came down to basically their final possession and down
2: three. DeRozan takes it to Billy defends it. I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, might have been fouled. The NBA said he wasn't. It sure looked like there was some contact, but I understand why they don't call that, that kind of stuff late. But.
1: At the end of the day, I do think uh, a healthy Bulls team. Now, we have not seen a healthy Bulls team once this year. Because Patrick Williams got hurt in the fifth game of the season, and Kobe White was out for the first month or so, so they haven't had the full complement of players on this roster since the season started. It's been the you know most defining quality of this season, I would say, uh, or one of them. I do think a, a fully healthy Bulls team has a has a path or has like a blueprint to deep playoff success. But the reality is, I think people are going to be doubting the Bulls. I think people are going to be fading the Bulls. If the Bulls match up against even, like, I think they'd they'd be a, a pick over the Cavs, especially because the Cavs have kind of fallen apart now with some of their injuries in the backcourt. But, like, even if they played the Celtics, I think a lot of people would take the Celtics in that series. Celtics if the are Bulls really matched good. up against Miami, I think that that would be, like, an 80-20 style Miami oh. pick. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure if the Bulls even played like the Nets, regardless if it was like you know a one eight to two seven whatever it is, that everyone would take the Nets. So I expect most experts, most analysts, to pick against the Bulls in the postseason. But I don't think that that necessary. Like I still think they they have a chance, absolutely. And that chance starts with Lonzo and Caruso getting them back to playing the style of ball that put them on top of the conference in the first place, which is getting turnovers, getting stops leading to offense on the other. end. Uh, When those guys were in the lineup, the bulls were not the number 20th or 21st ranked defense in the league, which is where they are today. They were basically on the fringes of a top 10 unit, eight, nine, 10, somewhere in that range. When uh, Alonzo and Caruso were on the floor It's easy to sort of mock the idea of someone like Alex Caruso, who's such a limited player being so impactful, but I'm drinking the juice, man. I truly (laughs) believe Caruso is that important, is that impactful, and that's one of the reasons that me and you basically lost our minds over Grayson Allen's dirty play on him because we knew how much he was going to mean to this team. Thankfully, DeRozan has put everyone on his back to carry them past teams they should beat. And a lot of those games were not as easy as they should have been, but you know, DeMar down the stretch sort of willed them to victory. You can't do that against the good teams. Like the Grizzlies are really, really good. both we'll still had a chance in that game. Uh, the Heat are gonna be everyone's pick in the East, I think, unless it's I think uh, Philly, Philly, Philly. unless it's Philly, yeah. uh, based on how Harden looks these first two games, I think that that's that's a pretty good pick too. But uh, the Bulls are going to get faded, I think, by analysts in the playoffs. But that's all right. I still think that the fact that the Bulls have two isolation scorers who can get buckets when the game slows down in the half court with DeRozan and Levine, like that is very, very valuable. I believe the defense will definitely come up once Caruso and Lonzo get back on the floor. We'll see what they do with Pat. You know, we'll see what the rotation looks like, but I do think the criticism of the Bulls, you know, pointing out their struggles against top teams thing is totally valid, but I'm not taking that as fact yeah. Like I take it with a little grain of salt. Yeah. And I think the Bulls are still going to have a chance once the postseason begins. I really do.
2: Yeah. To the point about caruso like that impactful. I was on a uh pod last night, uh the opposition territory pod with uh Jeff Warren out of Philly. Uh and like he asked like who looks like your most underrated like aspect of the Bulls. And I said Crusoe because I feel like as I feel like just people don't realize just how much, how good he's gotten defensively and like how much and how important he is to this team. Like, so he did, I mean, the, if, again, you look at the off the on off uh, stats and while there's noise there, the Bulls D rating with Caruso this year is like, is like 102 or 103. And like without him, it's like 112 or 113. Like, it's just a huge difference. And like some of that is obviously lied different lineups and maybe him pay, playing against the bench, but he was playing a ton of high, high, uh leverage minutes as well with in closing lineups and stuff like that. So like he makes a m- massive difference. Uh, so I guess talking about the injuries, there ha- have been some injury updates of late Crusoe has been back on the court. I know Casey tweeted him out today. He was shooting three pointers dribbling. It does sound like it's going to be still a couple weeks though, maybe one or two weeks. I was hoping maybe he'd be able to beat that six to eight week thing. And like maybe be back even for the Friday game against the bucks, which I'll be going to and get revenge on Grayson Allen, but that's not going to happen. It sounds like it's going to be another couple weeks. Sounds like it's the same with Patrick Williams, Lonzo, probably maybe even a little after them. I know they said he was, do, he's doing some work. I think he needs to uh, do start doing like lateral stuff and some more explosive stuff. So it's still going to be a little bit for those guys to come back. Uh, it sounds like Caruso probably first. And so it's just like, it's going to be tough. I, th- I mean, I think Caruso will come back and like, and, and sit back and, or, work his way back in pretty easily. I would hope, I mean, he he's a guy who just relies so much on hustle defense. His shooting is kind of whatever. So I think he'll be fine. Lonzo. I am kind of worried about coming off a meniscus tear, uh, how he works his way back. And if he's going to be quite at the level he was before in terms of playing defense, in terms of that kind of ball pressure and stuff like that, the pat thing is a total wild card. I have zero expectations for him making any type of positive impact this season. And it's not because I think Pat's like bad or anything. It's just that he is very young. He has barely played this season. He didn't look and he was hurt to start the season. He didn't look very good coming off that injury just at the beginning of the regular, regular season. And then to miss four or five months and be thrown right back into a playoff chase or the playoffs themselves. I just don't see how he's going to be any good. Uh, anything he gives just to be a body defensively is gravy. If you can hit some threes. But I feel like I, I feel like fans should not have much hope for Patrick Williams this season. Right now, obviously, again, you can stay optimistic about him moving forward, but I feel like it's just going to be really tough to ask a 20-year-old who has barely played the season to come back and make any type of positive impact.
1: Yeah, but, you know, good that Caruso is progressing back. Yeah, soon, back. Totally I think soon. the biggest swing factor in this season to me, Jason, we haven't talked about it yet, is the health exactly
2: Yep. Yep. We're going to get it. Was going to about to get into that next. Yeah. Go ahead. He, there were some quotes to, to KC today. Go ahead and publish. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know. Zach uh, talked about playing through. I got this article up right here from KC, published earlier today. Zach admitting not 100% because remember, he had fluid drained. He got the the PRP or whatever that stuff is injections in his knee that had been bugging him it's been bugging him for the last month and a half since that warriors blowout at home when he left it a few minutes in. Uh, and it and it's been obvious. And I tweeted last game against the heat when he started really slow, that Zach just hasn't, He's had like a bunch of fine games. Like he had a pretty nice game against the Grizzlies. I think he had 28 points racked up some decent stats, but he just has not had a game where he's like really, really popped and like gone off for like, like a three point explosion or just like takeover mode. Like he has like stretches where he looks pretty good, but he just hasn't had like one of those explosion games in a long time. If you look at his stats since he got hurt, like it's like 21, 22 points a game, something like that. And his, and his efficiency has come down a bit it was the month before that. I think it was December. I think he was averaging like, he averaged like 28 a game on like 50 over 50% shooting. Like he was playing at an extremely high level and he's just not that guy right now. And he admitted he's at like 70 or 80% and he admitted it probably won't get any better than that the rest of the season. And that's a huge problem. When we're talking about if the bulls can make noise, uh, if, if Zach's just going to be this guy where he's like a pretty good player, like borderline all-star that's fine. And I, I give him so much credit for, for fighting through this and playing through it. But like, I, I don't know if he will need some type of surgery in the off season. He might need to get something done to this knee. He admitted they'll talk to his doctor after the season, but uh, I mean, just harsh reality of it. He's seven, 80, 70% is what he said. He's trying, he's battling through it, but he's clearly not his normal explosive hundred percent self. And that's not great. When we're talking about the bulls trying to make a deep playoff run.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was talking to some friends about this. They were like, Oh, well, Levine's healthy. Now he's going to be good. I'm like, no, he's still injured. They just <laughs> shot him up with things. Yeah. So he can't feel the pain. Like, this is probably going to be something that even potentially carries over to next season. Uh, if he gets surgery. Yeah. Well, if he gets surgery for sure. A couple other factors. So Uh, it, it's super worrisome to me. I think it's, it's the biggest swing factor in the bulls for the rest of this year is how healthy is Zach Levine. The thing I'm looking at the most is how often he can get to the rim against the heat. Levine took 16 field goal attempts. Only three of them came at the rim. He made all three of them, uh, on the season. Levine takes 33% of his field goal attempts at the rim. That's down a little bit from where he's been the last few years. He was at 39% last year. 44% 44% the year before back before that, 48% the year before that. So, Zach, you got to get to the basket, man. And we know that the Bulls are a very mid range heavy team. That is DeMar's style of play. I think the last two games have sort of shown that, like, you live by DeMar, you die by DeMar. I'm personally fine with that. I was watching the game with the Grizzlies game with some friends on Saturday, and they were like getting mad about at DeMar for a shot selection. Now, there were instances (laughs) where I feel like DeMar wasn't getting quite as close to the basket. Like, his his mid-range shots were, like, two or three feet further back than they typically are, and that does make them more difficult. We saw that against both the Heat and the Grizzlies. But at the end of the day, like, the team's so good because DeMar has been so good. This is how DeMar is going to score, and you kind of got to go with it whether he hits the shots or not. The way to counterbalance that is by Zach getting to the hole. And Zach has not been getting to the hole as often in the second half of the season, mostly because the dude's just been banged up all year, man. He's had the thumb injury. He's had now the knee injury. There's a back injury, too, I think. Like he's just been dinged up consistently. The knee is not going to heal. He may need surgery on it. So, what I want to see is Zach get to the rim. If he's settling for jumpers, I think the Bulls are going to have a very, very tough time in the playoffs. I said there's a blueprint for the Bulls to go on a deep run in the Eastern Conference. It starts with Zach Levine driving the ball to the basket.
2: Yeah, I think the this, this shot selection part is, is definitely a good point of this. It seems like Zach's been doing a lot of dribbling and just chucking up shots. And Zach can hit tough shots, but like, if he's doing that, it's probably not going to work out and end up working out well for you. And again, his numbers have come down, the efficiency – uh, he also was just missing open threes against Miami until he hit a couple, like I said, in garbage time. But a lot of dribbling. I, th- I think, was, was it even the Atlanta game? Because they blew that lead late. I feel like that featured Zach kind of like, just kind of dribbling around too much, firing up a tough shot. And, like, and that's kind of the stuff that was an issue in past years with Zach. And it wasn't all his fault because he was the guy they had to go to late in games, but it was basically him just dribbling around a lot and chucking up something tough. He can make them sometimes, but you don't want to li- have to live with that. You want to at least get him into better spots to score. Like Demar, DeMar's able to get to a spot and score. Sometimes Zach just kind of dribbles aimlessly and fires up like a no pass possession mid range shot. Like we don't want, we don't want, we don't want that crap. And also to the point when you mentioned earlier about Demar getting double triple teamed, if that's happening, Zach's got to take advantage of that. Whether that's cutting to the basket, whether just moving off ball and getting open and knocking down threes, they're going to double and triple Demar Zach. Vooch, whoever else, they have to take advantage of that kind of stuff. We did not see that against Miami. Zach was not very good. He ended up having a fine game, like 22 points on 8 of 16 shooting. But again, that was because of some shots he hit late. The first half, he was not, he was totally ineffective. It does seem like he has kind of tried to ease himself into games a lot this season where he just doesn't do much at start. And I do do understand that, especially now with the knee problem. But like if teams are going to sell out more on tomorrow, like Zach's going to have to be ready. To, to be effective right away. uh, And, but it's tough. Like I said, I, w- I really want to cut him slack though, just because he is playing through this. I'm sure it's painful. He's not 100%, but if he is going to play, he's an all star level player. He's got to be at least a little bit better on both ends as well. But offensively, he's got to have, if the Bulls are going to make any type of run, like I said, they're going to, ha- he's going to have to be better.
1: <sighs> Should we talk about this boiling article? Yes.
2: <laughs> all right. So moving off, let's, <laughs> The current Chicago Bulls, I was very surprised this morning to see The Athletic publish a basically a rehabilitation piece about our friend, former Bulls coach Jim Boyland, who still has not responded to Ricky's challenge to to a push-up contest yet. Uh, This is written by Joe Varden of The Athletic. Jim Boyland right now is currently the Team USA coach going through World Cup qualifiers. Am I? Do I have that right? World Cup qualifying matchups. And just like this thing is absolutely written hilariously. And Varden is like, has always been a guy who likes using like very, I mean, very colorful language. I know like he's been a guy who writes about like Kyrie and LeBron a lot and just can be kind of amusing. Some of the editorializing stuff there. But I mean, this, just even from the start, I opened this thing up right before we got on this podcast. Please, please,
1: please, please please read this intro, Jason, because this is just pure. Pure fucking art, right
2: here. I I had seen some of the quotes, but I had not actually read the article until right before we started this podcast. And I opened this article up on the athletic, and the the lead is, Jim Boylan still looks the part from his shiny bald head that glistens on top of a sturdy six foot two frame to his bulging biceps like Popeye to a slight beer belly that inches over his belt. He also he sounds like the old Boylan too. Here, keep going. Prior to the most recent Team USA practice he ran, Boylan 56, the former Chicago Bulls coach, set up a table on the sideline at center court. And and on it, in all their corny, cliched glory, he placed a hard hat and a megaphone. Boylan already asked for and secured his new player signatures on both. Blah, 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 blah. Hard hat and megaphone. I mean, this is literally, I mean, just, I was literally laughing my ass off out loud to myself here when I was reading this. It's the. That's the uh the punch clock redux, just the classic hard head lunch pail, punch clock, goofy ass, corny stuff. I mean, I didn't even admitted it, just corny ass, goofy stuff that he that Jim Boylan used to do with the Bulls. I know I think it was Joe Johnson at a quote later that talking about how he's a great players coach, blah, blah, blah. Joe Johnson's not going to rip him right now, obviously, when you're trying to when 40 year old Joe Johnson is not going to rip Jim Boylan when they're trying to qualify for the World Cup. here. I mean, come on. He's going to be nice. I mean, maybe maybe whatever. Maybe they like what he's doing. But I mean, it's also a World Cup team with like a bunch of with 40 year old Joe Johnson and like G League players. But I mean, just those first few paragraphs. Absolutely hilarious. You get later in this article and Boylan, I mean, he clearly hasn't learned anything from his time with the Bulls uh and while he like he's obviously correct about the dysfunction about the roster not being great Uh, he basically took no blame at all for anything that happened uh like he here's a good i here's a quote i learned what it's like to coach in a really big market it's different i learned what the media is like in a big market i learned the pressures of what a big market does and rebuild and a rebuild in a big market does to the vertical alignment of your organization it puts a lot of pressure on what that means i don't know later he says there, while there were things he would change as the coach of the Bulls, he didn't want to name them because if I tell you those things, I heard people. And he, then he cited the roster and dysfunction in the front office. But this was also like around like thanking the Reinsdorfs, like saying how he coached the team, like J- how Jerry Reinsdorf and John Paxton wanted him to. Wanted him to. And at the same time, he's like calling out other guys. And he had some quote about Zach, how he coached Zach really hard. And it was like wistful and wistfully thinking back about how he tried everything he could to make that team competitive. It was just like absolutely comical reading through the whole thing. And there was another anecdote about him and like Toledo, the Toledo coach was like, we never would have won whatever conference it was if it wasn't for Jim Boylan. Uh, And there was at the very end, there was like a Donald Trump esque like there were tears in his eyes as Jim Boylan took the call to coach team USA. You highlighted something on your Twitter about how they, the team USA guy basically picked Boylan because he was available and they didn't want to go through that many (laughs) like candidates. Yeah. Just an absolutely hilarious article, and like I don't want to be like too mean spirited here, which I guess so. I'll be, mean-spirited. I'll be You've mean spirited. I'll be. We've been very mean spirited in Jim Boylan this... in the past, but go ahead. I'll give you the floor. I think that this
1: story should be taught in feature writing classes to journalism students around America for how not to write a feature story. I mean, Jim Boylan could have paid millions of dollars out of pocket to a PR firm to write a puff piece like this and not gotten something that was so uncritical and so uncurious for how he's actually performed as a head coach throughout his life. I thought this entire piece was just absolutely horrible. How it got past editors is like pretty remarkable to me. As soon as I read the intro about his bulging biceps, I just lost it immediately. So funny. You alluded to the end of the story, which is Boylan getting the call. To coach Team USA, the scene is set. Boylan and the coach of Toledo are on the beach drinking IPAs, talking about pick-and-roll defense. Boylan gets the call from Team USA, and he says, I'll swim there right now if I have to. (laughs) Just the most typical Boylan bullshit. This article is so ridiculous. First of all, it's bringing up Boylan's... Time with Toledo as if it was a net positive for the program. Toledo had a top 20 offense last year and the number 182 defense. Why don't they mention that? Uh, it talks about Boylan winning Utah's last conference championship in 2009. Well, he did it with the former coach's players, and then yeah, literally the entire team quit on him because he was <laughs> such an asshole. They all
2: transferred. So, this, this I, I, Missed this part? Talk about his consulting job uh for the Portland Trailblazers, who then were absolutely horrific defensively. Still, and Terry Stotts got fired. Was it didn't? Wasn't that last year where he was a consultant yeah. for Terry Stotts? Yes. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't see if the if that was. I said I read through most of this, but I don't think I saw. We also anything.
1: have another instance in this article where Varden writes. The player raised his hand and looked toward Boylan to be subbed out of the game and Boylan shook his head. No shades of Daniel Gafford limping around the court, (laughs) barely being able to stand up in tough ass Jim Boylan, refusing to sub him out. Jim Boylan is unquestionably the worst basketball coach I've ever seen. He might be the worst coach in any sport I've ever seen. And we're giving him this ridiculous puff piece rehabilitation tour where he takes no accountability for being dog shit, where he basically hangs Zach out to dry at one point. He says, you know, he like trails off in the story, like ask him what he thinks about Zach. And he's like, well, you know, there's some things I would do differently, but I can't. This article is dog shit. (laughs) I can't believe that this actually got published. Why are we giving Jim Boylan a puff piece? And I just can't believe it. It also like barely glosses over the fact that he lost to Mexico. (laughs) In his first tour of duty with Team USA and almost lost to Cuba. They beat Cuba by five and they lost to Mexico. I don't care that you don't have a bunch of NBA players. You still got Luke Cornett. He played in the NBA. Of course, he had Luke Cornett fucking trapping, pick and rolls 40 feet from the basket. Classic Jim Boylan. Robert Ory. I mean, this dude. How has he gotten this spot in life where he seems to face? No criticism, no blowback. The Reinsdorf's were begging GM candidates to keep Boylan around after they like interviewed Carter. Chauvis, hired him. All the reporting leading up to that process was, "Oh, you know, ownership wants the new GM to keep an open mind about keeping Jim Boylan. Why? He objectively <laughs> sucks. I just don't know how this article even exists. I'm just fired up. Just thinking about I how I feel like when you, is.
2: whenever you like ask like whatever old Bulls players." I mean, I feel like you, you if you ask Zach about it, I'm sure he would just like laugh when we asked when like Wendell Carter Jr. back at All-Star in 2020 when we asked you, like I think you asked him about him. He just he like la- these guys laugh about it. Like they they like understand like that people think that he's a joke because he was and it was and it was awful. I mean, he's clearly just a very smooth talker, good at deflecting blame. I guess you could call that a con man. But uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go the. I mean, you can say basketball con I don't say like Jim Boylan's like a bad guy. Like he doesn't. He doesn't seem like that. He seems bad like coach. He, yeah, bad coach. I, I don't want to say he's a bad guy or anything like that. But uh, bad coach, cl- corny. Deflect stuff, cliche, just goofy ass stuff. I mean, just just think the different the difference in professionalism between Boylan and Billy Donovan. I mean, it's just not even it's ridiculous. This should have been on like Barry
1: Weiss's Substack and not in the (laughs) athletic. I have no idea how this thing got printed, but uh, (laughs) it was hilarious. I, I deeply. It was funny. Like I am glad that it was. Yeah, I'm glad and that it was. Pretty- Jim Boylan and his bulging biceps. My offer still stands for a push up <laughs> contest because, you know, Jim Boylan, the greatest ability is availability. That's why he got this Team USA coaching gig, is because no one else would hire him for, for anything else. I'm sure, uh, you know, he couldn't even land a top high school job or even like a decent high school job. Just a joke.
2: I mean, this is clearly yeah. clearly this is a rehab piece to try to get him back in the NBA. I mean, no one, I, I cannot imagine any other. I hope Varden got paid out for this.
1: I mean, <laughs> how do you write this? Like I, he, I hope Boylan cut him like a hundred thousand dollar check from all that Reinsdorf money he's getting for sitting on his ass. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whew, yeah. I don't know, man. Really? Like I said, I'm glad that it got written though, because it gave me a great laugh. Gave us some great fodder here to talk about on cash considerations. And we should probably My wrap offer up. Still that
1: stands, Jim. You <laughs> got so much availability. We'll broadcast it on Twitch. Give them raise some money. Give, them give, them give purposes, the people what they charity.
2: want. <laughs> Anyways, let's wrap up here. We'll look ahead to the weekend, or not the weekend quite yet, but uh Bulls obviously the schedule not getting any easier. Thursday, bulls are in Atlanta. The Bulls obviously just beat Atlanta barely at home last week. It's gonna be a tough game. The Hawks are this is a very disappointing team. They're were like 10th in the East right now. They're under five, few games under 500, but uh they still are a talented team. Like it is shocking that there's that their record is as bad as it is. And they just had a huge collapse against the Celtics last night on some interesting quotes from Bogdan Bogdanovich, just about how the team is kind of lost. They're just like not any good when you blow leads like they did. Uh, So that's a Hawks team. That'll probably be pretty fired up to come out at, on their home court. That's gonna be a tough game in Atlanta. Bulls haven't been that good on the road, so the Bulls better be ready. Friday night, Grayson Allen night at the United Center. I'll be there. I cannot wait to boo the shit out of Grayson Allen. Get a few beers in me, cause a ruckus. Not going to get kicked out, of course. I'll keep it keep it respectable, but uh, there will be some loud booing coming up from the 300 level. And I hope from everywhere. I mean, he's obviously it's going. I think the crowd's going to be rowdy. It's a Friday night ESPN home game against a division rival against Grayson Allen. After what ha- what he did to Alex Caruso. Crowd's going to be out for blood and that's going to be a game. I am so bummed that that's a second of a back-to-back. I really wish the bulls at least had a day off. I don't want to make any excuses about like tired legs or anything like that, but I really wish that it was, was not a second of a back-to-back with, with travel, but the bulls better be fired up for that game, no matter what happens in Atlanta. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. It will give the bulls another opportunity to, to beat a good team. Hopefully they can deliver some better performances coming up here after these couple straight losses. But, uh, we're really looking forward to that game on Friday night.
1: Should be a fun week, man. Loaded schedule still coming up over the next yeah, we, 10.
2: They, yeah. They um, got the Sixers again, coming up soon. I think on Monday or something like that. It's a, it's a bitch. These games that the bulls need to figure out how to win. I mean, this, the, the Raptors are, have just beat the Nets a couple in a row. I think that Raptors only four games. I think the Raptors are the seven seed. They're like four or five games behind the bulls. Like the bulls aren't careful it is still not out of the realm of possibility that they fall down to the play in tournament so they got to they got to buckle down and win some of these games and beat some of these good teams uh coming up here but it be interesting
1: we sign off jace yeah. i just want to plug a podcast i did yesterday with my pals from war media w a r r media uh did a podcast with the group over there it was super fun we talked college basketball we talked about the bulls So go check that out. I've uh, retweeted it a couple of times, but it was a fun discussion with those dudes last night.
2: Nice. And also I do want to shout out to our guy, C red Fred uh, putting together the bulls podcast. Palooza. Uh, A bunch of us got together at the windy city bulls game uh, this past Sunday night. Ricky was unfortunately unable to make it and he had stuff going on, but uh, it was really fun. It was a cool night. It was like their dynasty night. They had the bulls championship trophies. there. got some pictures with that. They had a bunch of other cool memorabilia, Jordan jerseys, Pippin jerseys, shoes, there was a Paxson jersey. Paxson's John Paxson's son Drew was there, showing off championship rings. So that was so that was kind of cool. And then at halftime, just a bunch of us Bulls podcasters were there. Uh, put, like I said, Fred got us all together. Uh, the the Locked On Bulls, formerly Locked On Bulls guys, they got a new thing coming out. Big Dave uh, and Matt Peck, and then our guy Chris L- and Laro from Bulls 101. A bunch of other guys. I think. Buzz, I can't remember the exact name. Sorry, I'm butchering this podcast name, but uh, the ball guys, as I mentioned, uh, whoever, if I'm forgetting somebody, Not I a know good Bulls podcast yeah, it was a, yeah, a bunch of Bulls podcasters here that, that got together. It was a lot of fun just get, getting us in a group and talking about it. And it was also kind of interesting just to go to a Windy City Bulls game, I hadn't been to one yet. Um, and see Marco Simonovich up close, he is really. Fucking skinny. Uh, He had a big game. So did Devon Dotson. But Marco, I know why he's not playing because he is scrawny as hell. Uh, He he would get eaten alive in the NBA. But uh, get in the weight room. Hopefully come back next season. Maybe able to play some real NBA minutes. But, uh, again, shout out to C-Red Fred for putting that all together. It was really cool. Tons of fun. Great to see uh, a lot of the guys there. and Just uh, chop it up and talk bulls. Ricky, you got anything else? We wrap this up. You wrap it up. All right. As always, us here at Cash Considerations, please, or a shout-out to the Blue Wire Network. Please follow us, uh, and please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. And a shout-out to Fuzzgun for our intro for this season for for Cash Considerations. Again, we got Bulls at Hawks Thursday. Bulls home against Grayson Allen, Giannis, and the Bucks on Friday night. Should be rowdy, should be fun. I'm excited. Uh, we will talk to you guys sometime probably next week, maybe before that. We'll see if anything else happens before that. But uh, for Jason Ricky, it's from Cash Considerations, h Harry Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next time. This is last
0: year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls,